You're listening to the No Gray Areas Podcast with Patrick McCullough. Our guest today is Stevan Headache-Smith. Stevan shares his story of a very public failure and how he chose to overcome it. Let's jump in. Stevan Headache-Smith, it's so good to have you on the show. We met for the first time, what, like a month ago or something, right? Yes, sir. And it was almost surreal because... Uh, for our audience, they probably don't know who you are, but uh, the story that uh, No Gray Areas, Joe Gagliano wrote the book, um, biggest sports scandal that they know of in, in history. Um, the two of you worked that together, but uh, you were the guy on the court, and he was the guy kind of behind the scenes masterminding it. And But you guys had never met in person. Exactly. Until about a month ago. We drove up to Waco, Texas. We met in a restaurant, and that was unbelievable to sit there and hear you two talking. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that was a life-changing uh, story for you. Oh, yeah. Right? Gave, me, gave me a peace of mind because, you know, some things that I didn't know, and he he laid it all out. Yeah. And You know, one of my favorite moments in that was, um, so again, the, the audience is, if, if they haven't watched it yet, I encourage the audience, uh, hoop, hoop, uh, Bad sports. Yeah, bad sports, hoop schemes, right? Right. So it's the Netflix series, Bad Sports, Hoop Schemes is the title of this particular one. And it unpacks the story. So the audience should go listen to that. They can and watch that and they can get more of the background of the story. But my favorite part when you and Joe met in the restaurant was that the whole deal was you were supposed to get 20000 for that first game, right? Exactly. You were going to fix the game. You didn't have to lose the game. That's why you agreed to do it. Like, I can still win and still make the money. So you can get 20000 But after that game... Joe decided, man, if I get 50,000 cash in your hand, I know he's going to do a couple more games. So we're sitting in that restaurant a month ago and he's saying, so yeah, I gave 50,000 and you gave me this weird look like 50. I only got 20, right? Exactly. I'm like, what's the other 30? <laughs> yeah. So someone, someone pocketed that other 30, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's back up a little bit um, just to get some of your childhood story so people can get to know you a little bit more. But first of all, again, just to cover quickly. There's like four games, right? Four or five games yes, sir. that you guys, yep. And um, and eventually you were caught, but there was a time, a gap before you were caught, right? How big was that gap? You you graduate from ASU and you go on. Uh, when did the FBI show up? Uh, it was 97, the summer of 97. Right. I finished at ASU in 94 and I had went to the CBA. Uh, actually, I went uh, to Cleveland Cavaliers uh, vet camp. And um, like the day before the final cut, I got a call from Spain. I went to Spain and played over in Spain. And I uh, went to Spain. I was in Spain for three months. And then I came back to the CBA. I was in the CBA a couple of years, won a championship in Sioux Falls, uh, yeah. Sky Force. And uh Sioux Falls weather was a little different than oh, Dallas, right? Man, yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> you're from Dallas originally. Exactly. Yep. Then um, I got called up to the Dallas Mavericks. I had two 10-day contracts with Dallas Mavericks, and it was that summer, so '97. Uh, I was with the Mavericks at the end of '97, and that summer, that's when I got the knock. I called the knock of my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You open the door. There's two guys in suits. There's two FBI agents. Yeah, yeah. So, and that had been. Uh, almost three years, right? Yes, sir. So did you, were you even worried anymore? Did you think you got away with this? Had you I mean, kind when of I got, moved on in your mind? When I got caught up to the Mavericks, I was like, yes, I finally made it. I'm good. This is behind me, you know, and that summer we was going, we actually I had a chance to work things out to get like a two year deal, a minimum yeah. wage. Yeah. And then 
when they when they FBI had got involved and they they knew about you know situation with the Mavericks, they was like, "Do you want to tell them? Oh, we're gonna tell them." And then I never forget that. Uh, so Donnie Nelson so called did you me. Choose? Did you tell him, or did you have the FBI tell him? Uh, I guess the FBI called him because they called me. The oh. Mavericks called me and was like, "Hey, yeah, uh, are you being investigated?" I was like, "Yeah." He said, "We're gonna have to cut ties with you until, you know." Man, that had to be difficult because that's. I mean, from the time you were a little boy, you're playing, dreaming of being in the NBA, and you definitely had the skills to be in the NBA. There's no doubt about that. If anybody wants to go back and watch film, <laughs> you're finally making it, and that's when they show up. Oh, man, it was, it was devastating. Yeah, yeah. What was one of the lowest moments for you? I had been sentenced to a year and a day, and um, I was in my girlfriend's house, which is my wife now, Delicia, and... I thought about committing suicide because it was like too much. You know, I was the only child, just me and my mother. It's like I didn't let her down. You know, she thinking, oh, where did she go wrong in raising me when it wasn't her? Mm-hmm. You know, it was me that made the mistake. And it's just, it was just so much. I I, I couldn't take it, you know. Yeah. It, I had just got, you know, so down on myself. It was like, man, yeah, it yeah. can't get no worse. And, you know, I was like. Prison, man. So it wasn't, never, it wasn't just like your dream, you're uh, losing your dream. It's that you're letting down some really important people. In oh, I had, I mean, I had, you know, people who really, you know, yeah. was fantomized. I let all these people down. It was like, yeah, yeah. It was, it was dark. That's why I always keep my headlights on now, even in broad daylight, so people know where I came from. <laughs> man, I love that. That's good. Isn't it, isn't uh, your story though, how life works sometimes? I mean, we, we often talk, you and Joe and I, and we've talked how this is an, it's, it's an incredible cautionary tale, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the choices we make, we're going to have to live with those choices. But sometimes the consequences of the choices don't come the next day or the next week. In, in your case, it was three years later. I mean, you guys are on the other side of this. You're probably thinking you get away with it. And then all of a sudden the consequences hit. Like you're saying, it was one of your darkest days, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, let me lighten the mood for just a moment here and say, uh, were you balling in um, prison then too? Oh, yeah. <laughs> were <laughs> was, you the best one there? Oh, yeah. I was there. It was like 40. <laughs> Did you win some championships there? That's yeah, what they call it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but but that was the thing really for you. We laugh about it, but basketball was your life, right? Oh, yeah. When did That's... you first pick up a ball? Oh, man. I think it was like five. I was like five, five, yeah. When when did you start realizing? I think I have what it takes. I think around eighth grade. And then you had a pretty good high school career there in Dallas, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, Spruce tell high us a little school. bit about that. It was, it was nice, you know. Coach, coach, my high school coach, Coach Rose, was like a father to me. He just went to his memorial. Yeah, last he, week, right? Yeah, went to. A, he got inducted into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, down a memorial. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. inducted into the Hall. Inducted of fame. the Hall yeah. of Fame. So you're. All these years later, he, he he had a big enough role in your life. Oh, yeah. Where you're celebrating with him still. Yes, sir. Yeah. Still talk to him to yeah. this day. Yeah. So you're in high school. You're playing really well now. Good enough that by your senior year? or uh, It was actually school? my junior year. I had a player, a teammate named Isaac Williams, called him Igmo. He, um, he had everybody, you know, Duke, Georgetown, you know, everybody was recruiting him. And uh, they came to watch him yeah. to practice. Yeah, and they saw me. Saw you. All right. Uh, and yeah. then like that following following summer, we went to Vegas. Went to Vegas with a uh all star team. Yeah. And we won a national championship and I got MVP. 
Wow. Okay. All right. And then UNLV was one of the first schools you were looking at. That's who, at, I, that's right? who I originally that's committed to. You committed to was that. Was UNLV. Uh -huh. Okay. Then you landed at ASU. Mm -hmm. And then, and then that's where again people, if they want to know the backstory to it, go watch the bad sports documentary. Um, but that's where your senior year, um, you're you're down with some some money. You you're uh -huh. back what twenty thousand dollars you owe. No, it but it like wasn't 10. betting on sports. No, it was betting on Sega Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> so you're down twenty grand betting on video games. Uh, it was ten. Yeah, ten ten grand. Uh -huh. Okay. Oh, so you were gonna. You were going to pay that debt off and oh, make yeah. some money for the 20. Yeah. Uh -huh. So, again, we don't need to go in all those details now, but uh, they can go watch that. But, yeah, you, you end up agreeing to fix this game. You had to win by six points, exactly six points. You land it on exactly six points, and you have, in some ways, the game of your career, right? Uh -huh. Like 39 points? Yes, sir. Broke the record. Hit 10 threes. 10 threes. Like no one sitting in the stands that day is going, I bet this guy is fixing this game, right? Because there's no way. Yeah. yeah. So, so you do that. You do a couple other games. And like we said, three years goes by. And then, boom, knock on the door. Your life changes. When I met you the first time in that restaurant a few weeks ago, you said something that just, man, I was like, wow, that's crazy. You said, I'm so glad that happened. I was heading down a dangerous road, but for someone to say, I'm so glad I got caught and went to prison, what do you mean by that? Because as you know, you get older, you get wiser. And I realized at the time I was, um, I had some flamboyant ways, you know, and as an athlete, you know, felt you know untouchable. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, hey, you can't do no wrong. Mm -hmm. And when that happened, it was like God was trying to tell me something, you know, hey, you know, because one thing I'll never do is question his doing. So. Mm -hmm. When that happened, and I, as I look back over my life, that was the best thing. That prolonged my life. That was the best thing. Seven. That's just a crazy comment, though. But but true. Yeah, you're just it's going, real. That that was a such a low point in your life. You just said it was the lowest point in your life. But you look back and you think it's one of the best things that happened to you. That's what you're saying. Yes, sir. Wow, wow. One of the other things you talked about one of the first times we met is uh, you have a tattoo that you got while you were in prison. Very beautiful yes, types of the story. What is it? On my right shoulder, Philippians. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Why that? My cousin had told me something a long time ago, and I didn't understand what he was talking about, but it was real. You know, he's deceased now. Um, Mookie, rest in peace. He told me, he said, hey, you got to divorce the issue. I'm like, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. He said, if you, if you, it's like you married. If you don't divorce the point shaving is gonna it's gonna be on you for the rest of your life. And I, I know what he was talking about. Yeah. And I just prayed and prayed. You know, God just, hey, yeah. divorced it, you know, help me to divorce this issue. Yeah. You know, because I had so many sleepless nights. Mm -hmm. And you know, I always had that what if, man, I supposed to be in the NBA. I could have made this kind of money, did this for my family. And it was just weighing on me. Have you forgiven yourself? Oh yes, sir. Yeah. That's really what that tattoo's saying, right? Yes, sir. That lies behind. Yeah. What did that change in you how did that change you so once once you got to divorcing that issue forgetting what lies behind how did that change as you started moving forward because i can guarantee you there's people listening mm -hmm. who have done something and they won't let it go they just keep beating themselves up about it how did that change you my big brother james brown told me uh you know he gave me some advice he said hey won't you read proverbs every day whatever day it is open up read it yeah and I started reading the Proverbs. He said, now, nah, bro, I need you to do it. If you do it for a year, this is what's going to happen. Do it for two years, this is what's going to happen. So I'm like, man, 
I just started doing it. And, you know, he kept telling me, hey, man, he pray and ask God to use you. Like, you know, first I'm like, man, because every time you know, I would talk to him daily, he'd be like, I'm in the closet. I'm like, man, in the closet. And he was always get up and he'd get in that word and read scripture. Yeah. So I, I would highly recommend it. that. So there's like 31 chapters in Proverbs, right? So if you yes, read sir. on the 10th day of the month, you read chapter 10. On the 12th day of the month, you read chapter 12. You do that for a year, you read through that book 12 times, uh-huh. right? And so he's telling you, hey, you read through that. And it's basically talking about how how to live life well. That's why that book, Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, wrote that 3,000 years ago, telling us how to live life well. You started doing that. You started noticing the differences, right? Yeah. Uh, how did you deal with some of these regrets? Like you you just said that there were a lot of times where you lay in bed at night and you're going, man, if I wouldn't have done that, I could have been playing. And be, I, I think people deal with those regrets. Oh, yeah. Different story, but right, we all did. How did you deal with those? Just prayed on it. You know, when you, you know, everybody makes mistakes in life. Mm-hmm. You know, like they say, so only things from with falling in life is not getting back up. And I realized I failed. I've gotten back up. Yeah. Now I'm back up. I'm forgetting everything that's behind. I'm straying towards what's ahead. You know, I'm blessed. Got a beautiful wife, three lovely daughters, you know, Chloe, Kayla, and Arian. Got three beautiful daughters, 26, 23, and 17. What more can you ask for? Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's so good because I, again, I think that's one of the things that human beings struggle. There's not a human being that hasn't made mistakes, right? And if we can't let those go and move on, and, and what you just said, if I was holding the mic, I would have dropped it because that was a mic drop moment oh, yeah. right there where you just said, oh, hey, yeah. the only thing, the only problem with falling is if you don't get back up. And you had to get back up. Oh, yeah. So you had to work through regrets. You had to be willing to forgive yourself. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with people that wouldn't forgive you? How do you deal with people that won't let that go, that still hold that something that you did 20-some years ago over your head? The way Steven deals with it, I mean, just pray for him. The headache, that's he's he's a little different. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we gotta we gotta unpack that a little bit because I love this. Again, you say that in the documentary. Um, you talk about the difference between Steven and Headache. And um you're Steven Headache Smith. And a lot of when you were playing, everybody uh, called you Headache. So we gotta unpack that a little bit. First time I met you in the in the restaurant, you told me at one point in the conversation, you said my 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 wife, girlfriend at the time that you were going to prison. She, she fell in love with Steven. She never liked Headache. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was so good. So Headache was a nickname you got as a kid. Yes, sir. Right? How'd you get that? Uh, my mother gave it to me because I was the only child. She, um, uh, when I was, I think I was like five, uh, she used to always say, uh, boy, you're giving me a headache and this and that. And I had a big head. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it fit. Yeah. Right? So um, she changed it. She changed the name. Uh, the spelling of it, she, you know, if, instead of H-E-A-D-A-C-H-E, mm-hmm. she changed it to H-E-D-A-K-E so she can put on her license plate. So she put on her license plate, and then when I started with the Trojans, you know, headache this, headache that, you know, everybody, was, all they knew was headache because it was hard for some people to say Steven, you know. Yeah. So um, I started, you know, if I started calling me headache, and then in basketball, as I got, my uncle had got my mother, uh, um, i never forget this, a sticker to put on the back of her car. And it said, the bigger the headache, the bigger the pill. So yeah. uh, everybody just took it and ran with it. When I started playing basketball and excelling in basketball, it just, yeah. it just took off. Well, when you watch the highlights of those years, yeah. the commentators are usually referring headache. to you as headache. 
headache hit another three. Like that one game we just saw, headache hit another three, headache with another three, headache with 10 of them that game. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so you started taking on kind of this personification of this headache character. Mm-hmm. And you're saying that, that headache headache was different than Stevan. Headache's the guy that got you in trouble, right? Right. Headache was a flamboyant basketball player, you know, <laughs> noise talking, cocky guy. You know, Stevan was the humble person. You know, listen to his gospel music before games. Mm-hmm. Stevan was the is, is 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 who I am. That's 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 the good guy. It's almost like the remember the cartoons when you were growing up. Mm-hmm. You had the a little angel on one shoulder and a little devil on the one shoulder. So exactly. The devil was headache over here and Stevan was talking. So when when you got that first deal proposed to you to fix that game, uh, yeah. Stevan would have said what? No, sir. Yeah. <laughs> but headache had been gambling and got caught up and yeah, he was all in. Yeah. When when did you start getting rid of headache? When did you start saying I don't I'm I'm not I'm not headache anymore? Oh, Proverbs did that. <laughs> Proverbs did that. Okay. It so as you're, me. as you're unpacking that, reading that, learning about the wisdom of living life, you start realizing that headache was a fool. Proverbs talks a lot about the fool, right? You know it. Headache was a fool. So headache got you in a little bit of trouble, right? Oh, yeah. I think we all have some headaches in us, don't we? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So if, Stevan, if you could go back right now, what, what you know now, you're turning 50 in a couple of months, you've lived a lot of life since those days. If you could go and sit down with headache, Stevan Headache Smith, mm-hmm. 22-year-old, a week before Benny comes to you with that deal to fix that first game, what would you tell him? You're sitting down, you're having a conversation with yourself. What would you say? Pray on it. Ask God to, to guide you in the right direction. What do you think would have happened? I probably wouldn't have did it. Because you think even where you were as a 22-year-old, if you would have paused, mm-hmm. prayed, and just thought about it, you yeah, know. yeah, you know that's that was a decision that you know I had to live with for the rest of my life. Yeah. You know, I asked that question because years ago I was reading a Sports Illustrated article about Mike Tyson, mm-hmm. and someone asked him that question, and Mike said it wouldn't have mattered what I told myself at eighteen because I wouldn't have listened to it, right? And I think that's true with, that's with true. a lot of us. Uh-huh. Right? You know, if we can, we can sit and talk about all the things that could have happened to make make your decision different. But when you look back now, you see that that decision, that bad decision you made, changed the trajectory of your life in a good way in some ways, right? Right. Yeah. That's why I never question God's doing. You know, what's done is done. There's nothing you can do about it. But yeah, you can do something about your future. But Stevan, that's such a that's such a deep thing that you're saying because I, again. It's just fascinating to me that from the time I first met you, you often talk about it. You're not, you're not ever like going, yeah, I, wish, I really wish I wouldn't have made that. I really wish I wouldn't have made that decision. You just seem to have come to the decision in your life where you're going, it's all worked out. It's made me a better man. Exactly. Yeah. But that was a process. Oh, it was a bit. Ooh, it was a long process. Yeah. For so long, it was getting the best of me, you know. And... When I, you know, made that change, he like became a better husband, a better father, a better mentor. You know, it's it just turned my life around. Yeah. You know, because you know I was mentoring some kids, and you know, my wife had told me one day she was like, "Baby, you know, you got to make a change. You know, mm. how can you expect you know, people to listen to you, this and that, and you ain't living right. You know, 
you got to do the right thing. That was one of those truth tellers you're talking about, right? Yeah, was, that's my wife. Yeah. That's my rock. Yeah. Because one she keeps she keeps it one hundred all the time. Yeah. You know, and she broke it down to me. And when I started, you know, getting into that word, you know, living it, the kids I was mentor started being successful. You know, it, it it was it was just amazing how mm-hmm. everything just mm-hmm. turned. You know, I just I could see the light then. Yeah, yeah. And so there's no turning back now. One of the cool things that's happening right now is you're part of this collaboration that is is putting together this curriculum that's going to go out and try to reach a million plus youth, which I love because. Your, your story could have ended with you just going, man, I made a mistake. This is who I am. But now it's become a redemptive story. And your passion is to reach youth. We want to reach over a million youth with this curriculum to, that, that teaches resiliency and how to forgive yourself. Some of the things that you went through. Why is it that you care so much about that? Uh, because that's, that was one of, my, one, of my, one of the things I had a lot of passion is with, was with the youth. I've always, you know, growing up, I've always, you know, had younger, uh, younger, younger people around me that I, you know, always tried to mentor and look out for, you know. So let's say, let's say we're sitting in front of a, a group of high school students here. What are, what are some things you'd want to let them know? Uh, I tell them the key, to, the key to being successful in life as well as game of basketball is being able to accept criticism, knowing that your biggest critics are going to be the ones who love and care for you the most. Wow. Okay, that's good. That's good. Accept criticism. Understand that some of your bi- biggest critics are going to be the ones who love and care for you the most. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Were you learning the values? I mean, this is part of the reason you want to go out and speak now and work with youth is you want them to learn these values. What I'm getting at, did you learn those values? Did you did you have those? Were those ingrained in you and you chose to ignore them? Or were you like, I, I, I actually learned to cut corners? You know, Reverend P. Mac, to be honest with you, uh, I'm gonna give it to you straight. All I knew was basketball. You know, that was, you know, going to sports. You know, that's, that was, you know, it wasn't about, oh, you need to go to school and graduate so you can get a career, you know, get a good job. It's not, all I want to do is play basketball. So, and integrity, all these kind of like courage, the kind of values that you think about learning, none of that mattered. You just wanted to get on the court. I just want to get on the court. That's why when I, Speak to kids. I, I I say this from the heart. Play the game. Don't let the game play you. Say that again. That's good. Play the game. Don't let the game play you. Unpack that for us. Play basketball. Have fun. Use your athletic abilities to get your education paid for. Don't get caught up chasing that dream. Everybody got not going to make it to the pro. There's other ways to be successful in life. You can be a firefighter, a policeman. You can be a preacher. You can be a teacher, school teacher. Get you get you a career. Get a 401k. Because one thing about playing that game, you're one play away from having a career ending injury. That's your story, isn't it? It's life. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Not just your story. That's life. Yeah. Play the game. Don't let the game play you. And that's what happened with you, isn't it? Game started playing you. Game started yeah. playing me. Yeah, man, that's why you have such a, a great story to share with youth because you know, I know there's a lot of them out there right now, especially ones that have the athletic talent like you had 
that, that they're not thinking of these character qualities, uh, these virtues like courage and integrity and honesty. Uh, you get me preaching. That's, this is one of the main reasons why I'm writing my life story book, mm -hmm. you know, because I want, you know, want to try to save somebody else's life. This is one of the reasons I'm, I'm teaming up with Ambassadors of Compassion mm -hmm. to go out and try to, you know, I'm not going to say my life is over, but I've had my time. As a man of God, if I can do, if I can't do nothing, least I can do is try to save somebody else's life. That's why I liked you the first time I met you. I could see that. I could see uh, you have a good spirit, good soul. I can see that in you. Um, it's one of the things that's interesting about getting older, isn't it? You just mentioned that. I, I'm I'm similar to you in the sense that we have totally different stories. But the older I get, the more I start wanting to turn around and like put my hand out and help that generation or two behind us and say, learn from us, learn from our mistakes, learn from what we did right. But we just, you have a passion, a heart for that, don't you? Man, it's like my uncle, he asked me a question. He's like, uh, do you know the difference between a smart man and a wise man? He said, a smart man learns from his own mistakes, whereas a wise man learns from the mistakes of others. I was smart. I want to get out there and, and, and teach the youth to be wise. You learned from your, you were smart, uh -huh. like your uncle said. You learned from your mistakes eventually, mm -hmm. but wisdom, wisdom would have been, I, I, I don't have to make those. I can learn from the ones that have gone before. And now you want to pass that wisdom on. Yeah. Yes, sir. That's so good. That is so good. So, hey, uh, one of the things we do on these podcasts, which is really ironic, it's kind of funny because there's no gray areas based on this book, no gray areas. And I ask people to give two truths and a lie. I'm going to do it a little different with you because my wife and I had dinner with your wife and you the other night. And, um, so, so I'm going to just read a statement, it's true or false. Audience can, before you answer, just want to give them a split second for them to decide whether it's true or false, and then you can tell us, okay? So, so just pause a little bit. Don't answer right away. So true or false, you played professional basketball for 10 different countries. The key word there is four. You played professional basketball for 10 different countries. True or false? Go ahead. True. True. 10 different countries. Wow. Okay. So, um, U.S. You 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 listed some of this earlier. Uh -huh. Okay. Let me see if I can get it. U.S., Spain, France, Italy, Bulgaria, uh -huh. Russia, Israel, Venezuela. Venezuela. I can't say that word. Venezuela. Okay. Oh, what am I missing? See, it's hard, isn't it? <laughs> Turkey. 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 Uh -huh. Okay. You said the Philippines. No, I didn't. Okay, there that we go. Now, the, the key word there was four. You played four because when you were playing there, you're traveling all over the country. Oh, we traveled so all over. You probably couldn't even keep count of how many countries you actually played in. So when you're playing for France, you're traveling all over there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. True or false? You speak fluent French. Go ahead. True. True. All right. Can you drop some French for us? Je parle français très bien parce que je joue le basket là-bas cinq ans. I said I speak French very well because I played over there for five years. <laughs> wow. I bet in Dallas you don't have a lot of people you bump into to assume like this guy probably speaks French. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You probably don't use French very often in Dallas, Texas, do you? Uh, Sometimes when I see some of those African basketball players, you know, I'll just strike you know, conversations like, Je parle français and they look. 
Yeah. Okay. Oui, je parle français. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're a lot of people that grow up in Africa learn to speak French too, right? Uh-huh. Some of those countries are colonized by France. Yeah. yeah. All right. True or false? Uh, you won two championships in pro ball. True. Okay. For our Nancy, and Nancy uh, in France, we won a Chorus Cup, yeah. and in the, in the CBA with Sioux Falls Sky Force. Yeah. Yeah. But you've actually run a lot more champ. You've won a couple in prison. Yeah, pro am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so how about this one? True or false? You won three championships in the forty-five and over Dallas Rec League, right? True. True. Okay. What? How old are you now? I'm forty-nine. Forty-nine. So you're you're coming on fifty. So yeah, January. So you're you're still playing some ball. Not no more. <laughs> you, okay, so you you hung you played three won three championships. It was after like, that. Oh yeah, we yeah. was a team called the Dallas Legends. We um couple uh couple of my good friends. We all played together in this one league uh, at Bob Knight uh, Fieldhouse, and um we won three three championships in a row. And that last one, and it was I couldn't do it no more. You know, my wife was telling me, oh, "You got to stop because we'll play on Sundays." Yeah, and I couldn't recover until. Wednesday, so yeah. my body would be, you know, aching. Yeah, all those old injuries are catching up to you, and yeah, yeah. Well, Stevan, thanks so much for being on the show. Let me just ask you one question, or one, one more thing to just leave our audience with. When, when, when you again think that there are people listening, and the guy sitting across the table saying, uh, "We've made mistakes in life, um, and some of us still lay in bed at night, and we can't let it go. We keep replaying it." What would you say to us? Uh, get down on your knees and pray. Ask God to forgive you for all your sins. And, you know, just just turn to him. You know, he'll never let you down. <laughs> yeah. And you did that? Oh, trust me. I'm living it. You have to do that more than once? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's because it's not a one-time thing sometimes. Exactly. Forgiving ourselves or forgiving others. Sometimes. You're going to make mistakes. Yeah. You know, but you can't get down on yourself. You, you, yeah. you, you got to keep pushing. Yeah. You got to keep moving forward. Because if you don't, it could it could kill you. You know, it's stressful. You know, people don't understand. Sometimes you hold on to things so long, you know, and you don't allow God to do what He do. When you allow Him to do what He do, you get results. Yeah, yeah. And my advice: if you made a mistake in life, don't dwell on it. Don't don't sit back and let it get the best of you. Yeah. Well, Stephen, I'm I'm so proud of you as your friend now, new friend that you have. I'm proud that you have lived that out. And man, there's some amazing, amazing things ahead for you because of that. Your story is an amazing redemptive story, a story of someone that grew up in the hood, played ball, that was your way out. And then that very thing is what got you in trouble in some ways. And a lot of people, would they could have just given up. They could have just said, man, these mistakes are too big to overcome, but you didn't. And now God is using your story in amazing ways. So I can't thank you enough. Mm-hmm. Good, better, best. Never, never rest until your good is better and your better is best. That's a good way to end it right there. Thanks, my friend. Thanks for listening to the No Gray Areas podcast. To dive deeper into the story, be sure to subscribe, follow us on social media, and check out nograyareas.com.